You're listening to a sermon originally recorded by Schweitzer United Methodist Church in Springfield, Missouri. Check us out online at sumc.co. And if this sermon blessed you, be sure to share it with someone else. Thank you so much for listening. Now, on to the message. I'm Pastor Bob, and I always wanted to be able to whistle like that. (laughs) Not a good whistler. Today we're talking about uh, growing as Christian community. This series is more than just uh, a title. Today we're going deeper in the sense of experiencing true Christian community, which is more than just one message. It's an aspiration of my heart. And I believe that God puts the desire for true Christian community in every believer's heart. I believe that the longing for true community is in the depths of every human heart. And so let's get on with it today and talk about true Christian community. Now, we're going to borrow some words and an image from M. Scott Peck, the late M. Scott Peck, who was my favorite Christian psychologist, writer, uh, particularly in the latter part of the 20th century. He wrote some amazing books, uh, The Road Less Traveled, that's very popular, People of the Lie. And today we're going to look at The Different Drummer. Peck was one of those guys that bridged the gap between psychology and faith, and he took a hit for it. I mean, someone of his status and his magnitude to talk about the reality of evil. My goodness, he took a hit for it. But that's not what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about truth, and we're going to talk about the idea that we all need and long for true community. Now, in the graphic that's on your Schweitzer app or in your bulletin or on the screen, you'll notice that the first aspect of community is pseudo-community. That's where you start. What's pseudo-community? Pseudo-community is where we're nice to each other. Pseudo-community is where we're civil to each other. It's sure better than violence, isn't it? (laughs) But the problem with pseudo-community is that it doesn't go deep enough. It's kind of nice and shallow. It's a honeymoon phase when you're married or when you're taking on a job. Every pastor hopes that when you go to a new church, well, I sure hope we have a good honeymoon phase. (laughs) You want a good start in whatever you're doing. But after a while, you realize you can't stay there because you can't squash individuality. You can't squash intimacy. You can't squash who we really are. And so what happens naturally is that you go into chaos. 
chaos where, man, I think there's some things about you that I don't like so well. (laughs) Chaos is when you realize, hmm, I think I may have a little bit different agenda than this other person does. Chaos is when you begin to feel a little bit more competitive against each other. Chaos is when individuality springs up. And you know what? Chaos is going to happen sometimes because we're sinners. (laughs) And we're kind of selfish. And some of us are just a whole lot selfish. And so it's messy. But there's another community that you can press through, that you can, can, if you can get through chaos. And that's true community where truth is spoken in a spirit of love, where people are real to each other, but I'm as interested in your well-being as you are in mine. where individuality isn't given up, but somehow we become greater than the sum of all our parts because we are in this together. And if you and I ever lived in a world that doesn't need this more than today, I don't know when that time was. So I, the way I look at it, friends, you got four options here. If you're in chaos, you can stay there. And we're in a, and we're in a climate, we're in a position, we're in, in a life uh, of, a, of a country as a nation, the way we do social media, the way we relate to people, the way we attack each other, the way we go after each other, or just the way that maybe the workplace is, or maybe the way the church can be, or the way that marriages are sometimes. We can just stay in chaos. We're just stuck there because, frankly, we don't know what else to do. We don't know there's another option. Or we can drop out. We just leave. And I think that's where a lot of people do. If you're kind of a, if you're kind of a skunky person, you're going to probably spray around and add to chaos. If you're a turtle, you're going to go underneath your shell and you're just going to drop out. And you leave. So sometimes we give up on a marriage too soon. Or we just leave the church because and try to find another one and another one. And I understand sometimes you got to make shifts. But... Or we leave the workplace or we just, we just drop out. Or we go back. Third option, we go back to pseudo-community. We just tired of the chaos. Just going to show up. I'm just going to be civil. It's sure better than violence. It's sure better than this all the time. And so... Just go back to civility and niceness, but not be real. Or we can press through, and we can press on, and we can believe that true community, when you taste of it, and you experience it, and you know it, you don't ever want to settle 
for the other options. True community takes work. And true community always involves a clear commitment from whomever is named to be a part of that community. So how does it happen? Now, you may not be surprised by what I say next. I don't think true Christian community happens without Jesus Christ. It's Jesus at the center of our community, our life, not just following Jesus, but knowing Jesus and honoring Jesus and loving Jesus and taking our hints from Jesus and letting Jesus wink at us and whisper into our ears and we follow him. I mean, we are in Jesus and we're going to take our signals from you. Now, this is what Jesus is about. This is where I believe in all my heart he came to this earth. He came to form genuine community. It was first originated with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And he calls us into this community. So let's just kind of walk through an old story together that's found in the 13th chapter of the Gospel of John. And if you want to look at that in your scripture, the whole chapter, uh, that's fine. We're going to come to this verse later. But I want to just kind of set the stage first. Jesus is in an upper room. And he's got these 12 guys around him. Not just any guys, but the 12 guys that he's been walking with for three years. They've been doing community together. And Jesus has time and time and time again tried to reinforce to them what it means to be there for each other. Not to be selfish, not to think about who's the greatest, but to genuinely build community. And sometimes Jesus got awfully frustrated with them. <laughs> he got awfully impatient. But the scripture says in their last night they're together, he says, having loved them, he loved them to the end. And so, friends, when Christian community happens, it's because someone is a lover. Someone loves us to the end. Jesus had the 12 guys around him, and he loved them to the end. And it says that Jesus, having come from God and knowing he was going to God. Isn't there something significant about this? How are you living your life? Are you, are you living your life in such a way that you know you have come from God? And when all this is over, you're going to go back to God. Well, if I keep those two things in mind, it's going to change the way I live. Jesus, knowing who he was and whose he was, he washes their feet. And he shares in a meal. And he teaches them lots of things that night. But in the midst of this community that he's formed, 
Jesus has the audacity to say after he washes their feet, you are clean, but not all of you. You see, in true Christian community, in true communities, you got to tell truth. You got to say when someone doesn't play by the rules. And the scripture says, in anguish, with a great troubled spirit, Jesus says, one of you will betray me. And that person was still present. He had washed his feet. And he'd shared in the bread and the cup. And then he said to him privately, he didn't didn't call him out publicly, but then he said privately, Judas, just do whatever you gotta do quickly. And Judas left the community. And I think it broke Jesus's heart because he loved him to the end. So friends, community, true community is when people play by the same rules. But we, we love one another in a way that is beyond our capability, humanly speaking. And it's in this context that Jesus says these words. And these are words you can take to heart. A new commandment I give to you. That you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Let's leave those words up there a while. A new commandment. What's new about it? I mean, the greatest commandments, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, love your neighbor as yourself, been around forever, right? So in a sense, the commandments were never new. Jesus was new, but, but look at his words more carefully. Love one another just as I have loved you. That's the heart of it. If I know that I am really loved, if I know that there is someone that loves me and will love me to the end, if I know that someone has given his life up for me and he calls me to be in community with him and the Father and the Spirit, if I know and believe that the same kind of love he has for me is the same kind of love he has for everyone, and if it's his love that has to permeate the whole thing, it kind of takes the pressure off. But I have to be willing to open myself to this. And it's Jesus' love that holds me And it's Jesus' love that holds you. And it's Jesus' love that can hold us together. And community is something, friends, we have as a big church. But community is something we have in smallness, in in small groups. And, and, And if in a marriage, hopefully, if you are married, 
or you have a significant relationship. Hopefully that's the most intimate community that you have, true community. <clears throat> so I, Susan and I were having a conversation last night and I said, honey, uh, we've been married for 32 years. How many years do you think were blissful? <laughs> Dangerous question to ask. <laughs> Susan said, none. <laughs> I was hoping for a couple. But then we talked about it. Susan said, I think people that <clears throat> say that have blissful years of marriage are, I'm not going to say exactly what she said. <laughs> but we went on to distinguish the difference between blissful and good. And we agreed that most of our years were good. But life isn't blissful. And life is hard. And the honeymoon of a marriage usually ends pretty quick because statistics tell us the hardest year in a marriage is the first year. And there's things that happen to your kids and they disappoint you and they thrill you. And ministry is tough and the sacrifice is great. But we have a good marriage. We have a good community. And we learned something years ago that was expressed recently in a, in a quote that we love. That the difference between a good marriage and a bad marriage isn't because you fight. It's what happens between the fights. And Susan and I still can have our fights but we fight with much more grace. And we speak truth to each other. You can't be married to Susan Cassidy and not speak truth. <laughs> We're honest. The one thing we know, even in our worst moments, She's got my best welfare at heart. And I have hers. And Jesus is right there in the middle. And we pray together regularly, twice a week now. I mean, we do the prayers that the table, but I'm saying praying. So don't, don't be looking for blissful community when you look for true community or you'll be disappointed. But look for honesty and look for a common good. Look for trustworthiness. Look for faithfulness. Look to Jesus and all kinds of things are possible. So M. Scott Peck has another quote. 
from the road less traveled that really kind of unpacks, I think, a sense of here, here's what I hope you are leaning into right now. What, what is this about? What's the road less traveled? The road of love. What, what does it mean to be in true community? The will to extend oneself for the purpose of nurturing one's own or another's spiritual growth. Leave that up there. Let's talk about that. It's having the will. It's making the choice. It's deciding. It's not living on our own willpower. It's recognizing that we have different choices and different desires all the time, but I will this to happen. I choose this to happen. To extend oneself for the purpose of nurturing another person. I'm here for you. You're here for me. It's not just about me. It's about us. It's about we. And to nurture a person's spiritual growth is kind of the heart and the soul of, of what we are about at Schweitzer. So what we have this morning is just laying out some very clear pathways where community can happen. It may not happen. It only happens if people are open to it and want it. And even when you're open to it and want it, it doesn't always automatically happen, let's be honest. But people that begin to engage in these practices and are here for other people in community and nurturing spiritual environments and groups and classes, by golly, it will happen. One way or another, it happens. The four circles that I want to share with you is in your bulletin and it's it's on your app, and it's our, it's, our, it's our grow model where we can be a part of a group or a class, an ongoing group or class, but in the fall, three things are coming. Alpha, getting started in the Bible and Romans. Deep, rich, table conversation facilitated by a leader with a teacher in the room or on video in Alpha where you learn some basic answers or responses to questions in life and alpha. Great place to come when you're exploring the faith or you don't even know if you believe this stuff. Getting started in the Bible is a great material that Jeff Fugas put together. Really good for people that don't know a clue on how to find your way about in the Bible. And you may be embarrassed about that, but join the club. 90% in this world are with you on that. Or Romans, a book that Dr. Jason Leininger has written just for this occasion, and it's a place where you can really sink your teeth into it. Because I think the world is tired of shallow, and we need a little bit of substance. So if you know your way around the Bible and you're a believer, I recommend that. But here's that deeper call to discipleship, covenant discipleship groups. It's a model, it's that second circle. It's this understanding that friends, I, I can't do this on my own. I need to go deeper with some other people, brothers and sisters, 
So coming discipleship groups is, is something that has happened, is happening, and is going to happen more at Schweitzer. And Pastor Jake Hotchkiss is going to be leading a four-week session beginning September 10th from 12.15 to 2 o'clock for four weeks. And you just have to step in and see if you like it or not. Right here at the church, lunch, childcare, everything's provided. I mean, you... And September 10th, it's worth just to hear Jake's passion and clarity around this come one time. But what we're doing is formulating pathways and ways in which we watch over one another in love. I've got a deeper group called Cell Group, and I'm not going to we're going to introduce cell groups, but the idea is that you've got to journey deeper with some people in community. So I have three brothers that come to my home every Monday morning. We have coffee. We talk about our struggles, our challenges, and our sins. We name that stuff before each other, and we pray for each other. Where do you do community? How are you experiencing community? What's your intentionality? What's your will? I, wanna, I really want to encourage you to decide I'm in. I want this. And decide which of those ways you're going to go deeper and you're going to get real. And it doesn't have to be even in a tool or a structured environment that we create. It can happen one-on-one with another person. It happens when Jesus' love gets a hold of us and we just get tired enough of the world that we choose a different path. And it's the way of Jesus. Three questions I wanna kinda leave you with. Who loves you on on a regular basis? That is, who, who prays for you? Who, uh, who asks you how you're really doing? Who's there for you? Who knows the state of your soul? Who will challenge you? Who will speak truth into you or say, maybe you're too hard on yourself or maybe you just... Who's go- who does that for you on a regular basis? Second question, who do you love on a regular basis? Who are you real to? Who are you praying for? I can't pray for too many people, but I pray deeply for four or five. Who, whose soul is important, as much as important to you as your own soul to yourself? Who do you love in the way that Jesus loves you? And finally, is it obvious to the world that you are followers of Christ based on the distinct way that 
members in your Christian community love one another. Schweitzer is one big community with a lot of little communities within it. And I, I hope you are deciding, I'm in. And I cannot do this on my own. I want the real deal. I don't want to drop out. I don't want to go back to pseudo-community. Jesus, I want everything that you have. And I don't want it just for myself. I want others to have it too. So, Alec, you're in a covenant discipleship group. Tell yeah. me about it. Um, basically, I'm in a small group of guys, and we meet up once a week. And we basically just participate in fellowship together. We have a covenant that we follow, and hence covenant discipleship groups. Um, and that's just something for structure in our talks each week. But it has things on it like pray daily, read scripture daily, come to church each week. Nothing super hard, but... Um, it just really helps the discussions that we have and guides those discussions each week. So covenant discipleship groups are not for necessarily the mature person or the person that's got to get their act together before you join. It's no. for anybody. Yeah, anybody. I really think it's for someone who really wants to take that next step in their faith. Um, the person who has you know a hunger and a desire for learning more about and just... Um, being closer and being in a more loving relationship with Jesus Christ. You've been on staff for about six months, and yeah. so I get to hang out with you a little bit and observe you, and, and I've just seen you grow uh, in just a short time you've been with us, and it's really exciting to see, and Covenant Discipleship Groups is part of that. Correct, yes, very much part of that.